from some of these new members, they're able to articulate, you know what, I'm joining now because um, I can see how fast things can change. And I can see that business is able to kind of act quickly to address things that are changing. And I got to do my part. You're listening to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast. Here's your host, Stu Swineford. Hey everybody, Stu here with another great episode of Relish This. Today's guest is Kate Williams, the executive director of one of my favorite organizations, 1% for the Planet. 1% for the Planet lives by the mantra, everyone has 1%, and helps purpose-focused businesses formalize their giving through a commitment to give 1% of gross revenue to environmental causes. One challenge many organizations and cause-focused businesses face is their reluctance to really get out there and tell these stories they're creating. Kate and I discuss this challenge, how 1% for the Planet knocks virtual events out of the park, and a lot more on today's episode. I had a really great time chatting with... I had a really great time chatting with Kate, and there's some great takeaways from our conversation. I hope you have as much fun with this as I did. Here we go. Hey, Kate, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I am well. Thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. What is going on out there on the East Coast today? Well, it's chilly and wintry, and the year is wrapping up, and uh, it's feeling like kind of a great time of year, I have to say, even though it is very dark. I bet. Yeah, it's still it's still light outside here today, but uh, I'm up in Netherland, Colorado today, and it is one of those great Netherland windy days, and it's, it's definitely sporty out there today. Oh, nice. That's great. I love Netherland. That's nice to imagine you there. Yeah, it's a it's a great place. We've been up here for about oh gosh, almost twenty seven years now. Aww, um, so yeah, it's it's uh it's, it's great. It gets me out into the out into the forest as quickly as possible, and um, yeah, good community. Love it. Nice, that's great. So, how's everything going at one percent for the planet? You know, it's going really, really well. Um, it's been such a wild year, as I know it has for so many, um, and. You know, it's wild in in like many ways. Net is that we have brought on more new members than we have any other year, which we did not expect. So that's That's really heartening to see. We have also lost some members. So we definitely are feeling, you know, just the pain because for most of those members that we've lost, it's because of the economic challenges of this year, which is just so painful. And we want to say to all of them like that we're so grateful for their commitment and welcome them back at any time when things take a turn. But in the meantime, you know, we're grateful for those businesses that have been able to join this year. So we're, you know, we, our network is bigger than ever. We're about 50, 50 U S international now. So our oh, wow. has evolved and, uh, and we're certifying more giving than ever. So we're really driving a lot of positive impact, which is what it's all about. So that's been really great in a hard year to know that we're still able to, sort of as a network, be a force for good. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, we, I think, came on as a partner in either 2015 or 2016. I can't remember which. And um, and it's just amazing to see the growth and and also just the the brand awareness that you guys have been able to achieve 
over the last few years, where when we first came on, people were like, 1% for the planet, what's that? And now there's just so much more brand awareness. It's been really, really cool to see. Yeah, I agree. And great. It's so great to hear that. And it has been very exciting. And, you know, for me, some of the things that stand out in my head is the number of new members we brought on this year, which is about 1700 and counting, honestly, um, is more than the total size of our network when I started just, you know, just over five years ago. So that's pretty awesome. I guess it's about six years ago now. Um, You know, so that's, that's really cool. Um, And then in terms of the brand awareness, I also like when I first started, I would often find myself figuring out how to explain what one percent for the planet is. And now I feel like there is almost in all cases, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. So I'm more like creating a more refined understanding of something that people are already aware of, which is amazing. And I credit our staff team for sure, but also our network because it's our members who are helping to really convey the power of what one percent for the planet is. So I feel like the the tipping point has been that, you know, we've we've sort of accessed that like global network effect, which is really powerful and exciting. Yeah, it's really just it's great to see. I think that that there's a movement kind of in business in general to to kind of take a look at what what you're doing and what you're able to do as a business. And and, you know, more more and more people are getting a good understanding of what B Corps are and what corporate social responsibility is and cause marketing and all of these things that, you know, that are really aligned with, with what you're trying to accomplish there at 1% for the planet. And, um, and so I think all that stuff is, is it's just creating this snowball effect where, where people are are really getting on board. Absolutely. And I would say also um, like the consumer uh, role has also changed, you know, so what, what people want to do with their dollars is changing, which is amazing because I think, you know, people, more and more people are realizing like, you know what, I can, every purchase I make is essentially a vote. And so, you know, I want to make sure that those dollars are going to things that I believe in. And that's, that's a super powerful force. And there's a lot of data to support that. And so that also, you know, we're riding that wave and hopefully contributing to it as well. But that's certainly been a powerful aspect of growth across our network is that it's just, you know, a really positive business decision um, to to do the right thing. Yeah, it's really cool to see um, kind of this thrust coming from a whole bunch of different directions at once. Yeah, and you have this consumer desire to be, um, you know, engaged with brands that are doing good in the world, and you have this brand desire to 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 do the same thing. You know, whether that be from you know, the position of, oh, Jesus is maybe going to be better for, for us from a brand standpoint, but also better for the planet. And, and there's just all of this action around it. It's, it's, really, it's really fun to see. It is really fun to see. And what's interesting this year, given, you know, the crazy year that it has been and the very hard year for many people is one of the things that we've heard from new members joining. So companies that are joining for the first time is and that's often, you know, where we, I would imagine we'd hear some similar messages from some of our our existing members, but from some of these new members, they're able to articulate, you know what, I'm joining now because um, I can see how fast things can change. And I can see that business is able to kind of act quickly to address things that are changing. And I got to do my part. And that's been really interesting, because we you know, we had no idea what to expect when all this first went down and, you know, weren't sure that there would 
be businesses that would be, you know, seeing this priority to join 1% for the planet. But it's, as I said earlier, like it's really grown. So I think there's that sense of like, woof, things can happen, big things can happen fast globally. So now's the time to act. And then also this sense that it's all connected, you know, so the pandemic, public health, Mm -hmm. all these global um, connections, you know, the environment is part of that. The planet is part of that. And so, you know, I think just seeing this, the rate of change and the connectedness of things has been a a powerful lesson of this year. That's all played into all of what we're talking about. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I like to talk about all of these ecosystems within ecosystems, within, within ecosystems that we live in. Yeah. And, you know, you have this planetary ecosystem, but then there's this business ecosystem that's, that's part of that. And, and I was talking with one of my other guests and he likened it to a water balloon. And when you push hard on a water balloon, something has to give somewhere else. And if you, if you try and take out of that water balloon, the whole thing collapses and, and it's all part of, of this, this kind of global, um, you know, this global ecosystem that we that we live in it's it's really interesting yeah and i think um again while you know there have has been a lot of suffering associated with this year so i you know don't in any way celebrate that but i do think um as with any challenge that we have an opportunity to learn and i think that like that high degree of aware greater awareness of the connectedness of all things is you know is something we can choose to take away from this yeah, for sure. And I just realized I know what 1% for the planet is, but maybe our listeners don't. So I didn't give you the opportunity to um, to chime in and, and tell us all about it and, and you know get people on board. Yeah, well, that's okay. We just dove right in. Yeah, so, we did. Um, yeah, so this great network that we've been talking about it, uh, called 1% for the planet is essentially based on a pretty simple model that has lots of great complexity associated with it, as all ecosystems do. Um, but basically, we have members, um, primarily businesses, although we have had in- added individuals as well. So that's a, a growing opportunity. But our members join by committing to give 1%. In the case of businesses, it's 1% of their annual sales. And then individuals commit their 1% as well. And those members give that 1% to environmental nonprofits. And we also vet and bring on those nonprofit partners. So we, we make it easier for members to develop giving strategies, identify who to give to, you know, make those important connections. And then the giving happens directly. So our members give directly to the environmental nonprofits that they identify with our support. Um, and we certify that giving annually. So if you see a product or a website with the 1% for the planet logo, it means that we have certified that they're giving at that 1% of sales level annually. I'm talking about the businesses here. And um we currently have more than 4,000 members. We're about 50-50 U.S. international in terms of our membership, which is an exciting uh, trend. We were started in the U.S., so we, you know, a lot of our growth initially was in the U.S., but we really have expanded globally in recent years. And this year, we, we, we're certifying our the giving that happened in the prior year. So this year, we've mm-hmm. certified about $29 million in giving to date wow. and we're still going there's still certification happening so it's it's you know we're we're driving we being our network of members is driving really powerful change and that's a lot of giving going to nonprofits this year when you know things are 
you know, it's been a challenging year. So we're really, really grateful to our members for that annual commitment driving positive change year in and year out. Yeah, it's just great stuff. The other thing that I love about the organizations, it's not just about monetary donations. You also allow at least a portion of of one's 1% commitment to come from, from volunteer hours. Yeah, yep. Thanks for bringing that up. So, you know, we believe and we've, you know, ground truth this with our nonprofits that, you know, supporting nonprofits can happen in different ways. Um, The financial piece is definitely important. Almost, I don't know of a nonprofit that doesn't need financial support. So um, the majority of the 1% does still have to be in the form of financial, but, you know, volunteer in-kind donations. um, So in-kind being like donations of products or support Mm -hmm. um, in other ways can be super valuable for nonprofits who, you know, oftentimes are, you know, not able to pay for the contract services or, you know, other kinds of support they may need. And it can be great for the companies too, to, you know, have volunteer opportunities for employees to plant trees or otherwise support a nonprofit. So it's a, you know, really nice, like virtuous circle um, when we're able to have those other non-monetary forms of donation that can make the membership engagement and partnership just that much richer and more valuable. Yeah, I think it it um, it just reinforces that commitment and and gets people on board and gets people, you know, out there and doing things for these organizations. Which I think it just fuels itself. It's, yeah. it's, like it's kind of self feeding fire. It's it's an amazing thing. Yeah, it's it's great, and you know, we love hearing from both members and nonprofits about how they're developing the relationships through the giving, through the volunteering, through the, you know, ways they're figuring out how to share the stories together. It's, you know, the, I think what's pretty unique about 1% for the planet is, you know, that it's not just like a foundation giving out money. It's a relationship builder and there's definitely, you know, real money that's being given. So it's, you know, that is certainly there, but um, the relationships that are built as part of that have some real lasting value as well. Yeah, it's just, it's great stuff. So speaking of, of nonprofit partners, what, what can the, the people who are listening today, since this is a podcast kind of geared toward nonprofits, what, what should they know about the program and, and what do they need to do to, to become kind of part of that, uh, of your ecosystem? Yeah. So The way we set up our nonprofit network is that, um, you know, we really want the, you know, as many nonprofits as possible who are approved in our network to receive funding each year because we're not making the choices about where that money goes. We're supporting our members in developing their giving strategy. We, um, the way we bring new nonprofits in is either through a recommendation from a member and then we put the nonprofit that's recommended through our diligence process or a recommendation from staff, which usually arises when, you know, we're either identifying an area where we feel like we need more representation from nonprofits. So for example, this year we made a big push driven by our staff to bring in more environmental justice nonprofits. Cause we realized that was an area yeah. where we had made some progress, but we needed to make a lot more progress. 
Um, so we went out and sort of did research and, and found nonprofits and, and, you know, are continuing to work to bring those in. So it's, it is a recommendation model. So there's not like, you won't find an application on our website, which I recognize can sometimes be frustrating for nonprofits. Um, cause I, you know, I understand the desire to be involved, but, um, but it's worked well for us because then it is a way that, um, you know, really strong nonprofits, um, get recommended to us and nonprofits that we may never have heard of get recommended and we're able to bring them into the network. If you're listening and you're like, Oh, I just really want them to know about me. It's totally fine to reach out. Um, and then we can sort of get you on our radar. And then, um, you know, as we're doing future research or whatever, we may have the opportunity to bring you on board. So like, feel free to you know reach out to me on LinkedIn or something like that, if you'd like to. Cool. What are the qualifications that are needed to, what are the things that you're vetting for? just so that people have an understanding of whether they would fit in. Yeah. So, you know, it is an environmental focus. Um, So we do have like some guidelines in each of our issue areas. So our issue areas are climate, food, land, water, wildlife, and pollution, six issue areas. And environmental justice really cuts across all those um, issue areas. And so in each of those issue areas, we have – you know, some different guidelines that we've developed that are tied to the sustainable development goals. In the case of the climate area, we have, you know, some uh, ties to the project drawdown goals. So, you know, we have guidelines in each of those areas. So we kind of hold up the the mission and work of the nonprofit against those. And then we also look at, you know, just some of the basic um, aspects of, you know, is it a registered 501c3 in mm-hmm. good standing? Um, and then if we're if we're going to be making a recommendation, we really will dig a little further. So it's it's overall a knowledge based process. So once a nonprofit you know makes it through that initial screening, we really seek to understand as much as possible about how are you driving impact, how are you telling your story, what are you measuring, because those are the kinds of things that we're going to want to understand really well in order to match you effectively with our members. Right. Right. Oh, that's cool. I love it. So are you, what, what's the major thrust? Is it, are, you know, kind of parallel process trying to bring more nonprofits on board, trying to onboard new members? What, what are the things that you guys are looking to, to achieve here in the next, in the next couple of years? Yeah. Great question. You know, we have about, mm, more than 3000 nonprofits in our network right now, which is a lot. And I know isn't, you know, certainly not, not all of them. So, you know, we're really, you know, in terms of like evolving our nonprofit work, I think what we're focused on there more than like increased numbers um, per se is, you know, really sort of honing the, the process from start to finish of how we gather information, how we, do that diligence so that we're, you know, just in a better and better position to be able to best represent those nonprofits and put them forward to the partners that would, would be the best fit. Um, which isn't to say we're not interested in new nonprofits, but the, you know, it's the sort of quality of our knowledge and of our practice that is our focus right now. Again, continuing to grow the network as we, you know, need to, um, build out into different areas to best serve both the issues at hand and the members um, and what they're looking for. So in the nonprofit area, that's, that's kind of what we're focused on in terms of like overall, I mean, we are a nonprofit where in which growth is how we drive more impact. So more members 
drive more giving, drives more giving going to nonprofits, drives more impact. So we really do focus on growing that member network, which does, I will say back to the nonprofits that you know, as we grow our member network, we invariably get more recommendations for nonprofits right. and we have new areas that we move into. So there is some tie for sure between the two. Um, but really, you know, that is a big focus and we've certainly seen ourselves grow and, and driven that growth over the last couple of years. And we, we really are honing our ability to continue to do that, to continue to manage that well, to continue to provide really good support to all those members, just because that's so important, and to continue to build connections across the network. We haven't really talked about that yet. We've, you know, I've, I've mentioned the really important partnership between the members and their giving partners, the nonprofits, but we've also seen incredible value in the partnerships between members in our network and the relationships just, you know, across all the different stakeholders in our network that drive so much learning and um, kind of evolution of practice in terms of sustainability in, you know, beyond philanthropy that we don't measure. Like that's not an official part of our model. We're not certifying that, but it's, we've really seen how that's a valuable part of what 1% for the planet provides it's like this um you know engine in which you know so much happens um you know beyond just the certification which is not insignificant so there's the certified giving you know at close to 29 million plus this year so you know big dollars there but at the same time we have members who are learning from each other how to eliminate plastic from their packaging or getting mm-hmm. fired to you know, figure out some of the next steps on their sustainability journey. And we have nonprofits that are, you know, learning from their, both their member um, donors, but also some of the other nonprofits in their network, you know, other ideas about best practices. So, you know, a whole lot of learning going on beyond what we're officially um, certifying and tracking and really continuing to support that is, is a goal that we have. Yeah. I know you guys have a network, um, kind of a marketplace where where people can can you know, get connected with other one percent uh players for sure which is which is really cool it goes back to what you were saying earlier about kind of voting with your dollar i mean i know that, that that's one of the things that i i try to look for and keep on my radar i don't always do the best job of it but but certainly one of the first things i try to think of is is, is there a non a one percent for the planet partner that i can get this from as opposed to um you know just going to the to the standard sources so you're, you're providing a really cool service there as well yeah and i love that i appreciate that you said that because we do have a lot of members who you know really do make an effort to purchase from other members and we always encourage that because again it's like it's going to drive more giving. It's going to drive more yeah. impact. So, um, and then it just develops those really great relationships. So we have seen a lot of that and, you know, just figuring out how best we can support that and provide the information about that, you know, something we're continually working on. Yeah. I'd say that that's something that I need to, I need to keep it in the more forefront of my mind when I'm, when I'm making purchases. I do know when I, um, when I climbed Rainier a couple of years ago, uh, I definitely went to Osprey, who's a one percent for the planet partner, to get uh, to get my pack for that that particular trip. Um, so it's certainly something that that I I would encourage people to do. And and I know that on your site you have kind of this members area, so people can always do research into 
you know, if they're, if they're making a big purchase, they can go and, and try and find a 1% partner to, to buy from. Definitely. And one, one of the really great things now is that, um, well, we often think of it as products and sadly Osprey is not yet a member. Um, but I appreciate that you've like named them as such, cause that hopefully huh. will make it so, um, <laughs> But, but nonetheless, like, it's a great example of like, we often think of 1% in terms of products, but we now have in our network, not only like, you know, products for taking outdoors, we have food, we have tea, we have banks, you can do your yeah. banking differently. We have life insurance, we have marketing firms, you can have, you know, have your branding and marketing and website, like, you really could, um, you know, feed, clothes house because uh, we have construction companies uh, manage your finances run your business in various ways all with one percent of the planet members which is really really fabulous yeah it is really cool and I just remembered how how Osprey po- popped into my head they're a Colorado for outdoor business Alliance um, partner and that's that's where I got in uh, got them in the in the front of my mind, so yeah, no, it was a little tangential, but uh, no problem. And like no shade whatsoever on Oscar. I love their stuff and also have a pack of theirs. Um, and I just wanted to be clear they're not they're not yet a member. Well, let's get them on board. How Definitely. how about that? Definitely. So as you're trying to get new members, what what's your main kind of strategy there? What what are you guys employing to to bring more people on board? Yeah, so it's a it's a great question because right now um, the significant majority of our growth has been organic, meaning it it's inquiries coming to us driven by those companies. So for most of this year, we've had about a hundred of those queries come in each week. So those are people reaching out to us because they got a recommendation from a peer, they saw us in an article, they saw us on a product, you know, all sorts of different ways. But those are inquiries that came to us. So then we follow up on those and, you know, ideally bring those um, people on board. And that's really exciting. So that there's that, that side of things. And so we definitely work to create more and more ways in which, you know, we can inspire that kind of direct outreach from potential members. And then we also have a more sort of proactive strategy of identifying, you know, members, industries, um, or I shouldn't say members, like potential members, uh, you know, industries that are a good fit where we, you know, either where we don't have a lot of other members. So there's like a leadership opportunity or where we do have a strong membership. So there's kind of critical mass. Um, And then we pursue that. We are planning to hire some new capacity for that more proactive outreach. Cause that's given the amount of inbound interest that we've had, it's been actually quite hard for us to get to that proactive outreach. So we're really excited to be able to move more in that direction, even as we're really thrilled that our, our quote problem is that we're swamped with um, <laughs> right. interest. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those good problems exactly. to have sort of exactly. thing. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, it's. I know that. Well, the early part of of 2020, and this uh, this episode is, it will air in March of of next year. Okay. Um, but in early in the early part of 2020, I know that we were you know looking forward to a couple of big events, and I'm on the steering committee here on the Front Range 
um, for for one percent, and we were going to put together a uh, you know a, a, a community event to try and bring more businesses in um, and, uh, and and learn about uh, learn about one percent for the planet, and then you have your global. Um, event yeah. which was going to be held in culver city i think last year or this yeah, year in Hollywood. and it was yep, yep it was it had to be canceled but you know those are those are great opportunities for members to come together and and really get to meet and know one another um so i know that 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 in-person stuff was was a big pillar you know prior to the the pandemic and i'm sure that we'll get back to that here as soon as we can roll out the vaccine and get back to kind of that normal normalcy. Did you do any kind of pivoting in in this year in terms of of bringing things to a more virtual audience? Yeah, yeah, such a great question. And, you know, I think we and many, many, many others did lots of pivoting this year. This is the year of the pivot. And I actually like when you mentioned this airing in March, um, you know, which is three months out and like back in ancient times before the pandemic, you know, that was like, yeah, that's not that far off. And now I'm like three months, like who knows what can happen in three months. Um, So, you know, yes, this is the year of the pivot and of getting very good at like expecting that we're going to adapt in, in, you know, less than three months time. But so we, um, we had planned not only our global summit, but also a series of global events, a kind of global tour. And Mm -hmm. um, both of those, um, Shifted. So the global summit, we actually canceled. We didn't try and replace it immediately with a virtual event. And at this point, we've bumped it out to 2022, just because okay. the, the summit for any of anyone who's listening and for any of our me- members or just, you know, for anyone, it's a really amazing in-person event. And it, you know, a lot of the content and, you know, I, I'll talk about what we're going to be doing virtually Um you know, in the, in the meantime, but the, we're, we're big believers in the power of that, like in-person gathering, because it's just like energy, like you wouldn't believe. So we're really excited to get back to that when the the time can happen again. And we're thinking 2022 is probably knock on wood when we can start planning that way. Um, so what we did this year is we did just like take that off the calendar. And um, that was, you know, a hard decision and we were all a little depressed for a while, but we, we moved on and then we shifted our global tour to being a virtual um, campaign uh, focused really on sharing the impact stories, the stories of, you know, what happens when our members make their donations and provide that in-kind support to nonprofits. So really just the, you know, the so what of our model. So that was, that was all really powerful. And then what we've put in place heading into 2021 and what will be fully underway um, starting in Q1 is, you know, a series of virtual events of all different types. Some of them more of the kind of mini summit type with, you know, some key keynotes and things like that. Others, you know, more practical webinars. So we'll have like a whole variety of virtual events um, and learning sessions happening across um, all of um, 2021. And then 2022 is our 20th anniversary. So we'll have, again, hopefully knock on wood, our global summit in person. And then, you know, ideally continue to have parallel sort of virtual events and um, in-person events. And one thing also is like starting in 2021, you know, as soon as we can, 
get back to doing some smaller regional events. So, you know, in the front range, if, you know, when that went, hopefully by the fall, that would be something that we could start doing again. So, you know, we'll be sort of at the ready to, you know, step into some of the smaller events that don't require quite as much planning as the global summit, um, ideally earlier than um, 2022. Yeah, I know that we were planning that event and it was part of that that tour that you were putting on um, that we were yeah. going to do on the front range. Yeah. And uh, we were really looking forward to that. I, I, I think so being being a you know not the longest term member that you've ever had, but certainly you know we've been around for a little while. I remember the first global summit that you had was in Boulder, right? Yes, it was. Our, yeah. our first two years of the Global Summit yeah. were in Boulder. Yeah, and I think that's where we first met. Yes, it was. And and those were so great because it was, you know, it was when there weren't as many people there. And, and so it was kind of fun because it was, it was intimate, but with some really good material. And then the last one that we were able to attend was out in Portland. Yeah. And it was a lot bigger. It was probably at least twice the size, if yeah. not triple the size. And it was just also amazing, and that all of the great speakers that you got, and and just the that opportunity to to kind of rub shoulders with so many like minded people. And the other piece of the these events that that you you were able to engage action at these events as well. And I I know that Brett and I did a, a cleanup there in one of the one of the parks in in Portland as part of part of our kind of giving that commitment, uh, as part of the event. And it was just really, really fun to, to kind of not only bring people together to, to meet, but also to, to get them to take some action. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. Yeah. And I mean, that's just another example of how like you can't really replace that in a virtual event and we're going to, you know, definitely have a great sort of virtual series, but, but those kinds of like action engagements and, just the power of the um, connections that are built when, you know, we're sort of learning together. Um, we're super excited about that. So eager to, um, you know, get back to those in-person opportunities, including the global summit, but also, uh, you know, we're all about like seeing the opportunity and whatever challenges have been, uh, have come our way this year. And I think learning as an increasingly global dispersed network, our ability to have powerful and effective virtual events, you know, is something that, you know, I think will continue parallel to, you know, getting back to in-person events. Well, there's certainly an, an environmental, um, positive environmental yeah. effect of, of not having everyone have to fly yeah. somewhere. And, Definitely. um, and, you know, one of the things that, that is interesting is just the de- you know, the decrease in miles that, that, you know, my business partner, Brett and I, uh, have driven this year yeah. is certainly, uh, I would say, a, a win. Um, what, when, when you're putting on, so I'm sure you've learned a lot over the course of this last year in terms of these virtual events, what are some of the, the things that you've, that you've seen work really well, um, that, that other nonprofit partners might be able to, to kind of take advantage of? Yeah, that's a really great question. And we, I'm sure we'll, you know, continue to learn more next year because we're, you know, we'll be embarking on a lot of, you know, direct events um, next year. But some of the things that we have learned, one is, um, you know, really uh, good preparation, sort of like anything that you do, just, um, you know, having, you know, if you're going to do a panel, um, 
really, you know, actively prepping all the participants beforehand so that by the time you get to the live panel, it's, it's very much live. Um, but, you know, unlike in, in an in-person event where there can be kind of that relationship with the audience where if there's a, an awkward pause or sort of a question that needs to be repeated or something like that, that can kind of flow more naturally. I think when you're in a virtual setting, just, a, you know, a, a little more sort of prep and polish makes that live engagement that much more valuable. You know, stating the obvious, like dialing in the tech is important um, because uh, while we're all much more patient with technical issues, because we've been, we've probably experienced them all, all of us um, at some point during the year, there's also, you know, just the opportunity to, you know, to get those right. And then I think um, less is more. Um, People are spending so much time online that creating ways for, um, you know, concise information to be shared and then like maximum time for engagement using, you know, different mechanisms, a really cool feature that I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, are seeing and taking advantage of is that like real time opportunity to have, you know, a speaker or a panel underway and a very active chat thread going so that, you know, you can have some interplay real time. So really just like not trying to make a virtual event exactly the same as a live event and and instead like acknowledging this is going to be different. So let's do it differently in the ways that makes it better. And let's use the tools that we wouldn't have in the same way that um, if we were live. So those are, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of other people listening who have even more and better uh, tips than that. But those are some of the basics that I think are, are pretty important. Yeah, those are great. There were two others that I've I've seen work really well. And one is the idea of of really making sure that you don't go it alone uh on it, during an event like this and have mm-hmm. someone on staff yes. like curating the chat so that you're not trying to run a panel and figure out how to how to keep track of all the questions and do all of these things at once, but really kind of engaging your team um mm-hmm. to be part of that uh you know, to make it run smoothly. And then um, breakout rooms have been a really mm-hmm. cool thing that we've seen work well, where when, you know, when you have a panel, maybe, you know, kind of taking that panel and breaking it back out and letting people get kind of choose which room they go into or split the audience and, and allow people kind of one-on-ones with, with, you know, certain panel members um, has been a really cool way to, to kind of create that, more intimacy within, within this, you know, great big virtual, um, you know, conference or whatever you want to call it that you're having. Yeah. I think that's a really, really great point because I do think that creates a way for some of those connections that we're all really hungry for to happen in a, in a really positive way. So yeah, I think that's an excellent point. I just love the idea of, of being able to bring so many people into you know, a community and, and even have, you know, kind of a bigger event than you might have otherwise, because you're able to kind of engage a global audience and maybe people who weren't able to, to wouldn't have been able to make it in person, um, can all of a sudden participate and, and, and be part of that, part of that experience. I, I definitely agree. And sort of back to your earlier point about travel. I mean, I do think that's something that, we've all had the opportunity to learn and that I think, you know, I really hope we all, um, we all beyond just 1% hold on to is that we've learned that there are things that we used to think we had to travel for 
that we've learned that we can handle quite effectively virtually. And so we can save travel and time and we can, you know, include, you know, a greater diversity of people in some ways that we may not have thought we could before when we sort of had like our, our mindset on like, this is something we do in person. And so I do think there's a lot of opportunity that's good for the planet and good for sort of broader inclusion that we can carry forward by having, you know, this understanding of what we are, what is quite possible to be really effective and engaging virtually. And then again, like also acknowledge that, you know, there are certain times when like there's nothing like being in the same room or same physical space with people and um, connecting with them in that way. And so really, you know, celebrating those opportunities when they arise and using them well for what, for what they offer. Yeah, for sure. I am going to give out so many hugs as I soon know, as this thing totally. is, is, is over. I've, 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 I've certainly that. missed that. Yeah, definitely. So what are some of the, some of the really unique or, or interesting stories that you've heard either from nonprofits who, who are part of the program or, or even, you know, business members, um, you know, that they've, that they've come out and just said, you know, how, how great being part of 1% has been for them? Oh my goodness. That is such a good question. Cause I feel like, um, 1% of the planet is such a hope factory. Um, you know, no matter what is going on, I feel like I can always immediately sort of pull up a member or a nonprofit who is just like such an inspiration. So in terms of, you know, really concrete stories, um, you know, we had a cool moment this year where one of our longstanding members, Coda Lee, they're a um, French beauty product, skin product company, and they've really focused on tree planting because that ties to some of where they do their sourcing and things like that. And and they just did a great little Instagram on, you know, talking about the um, the I, I don't remember exactly how many million, but the next million trees that they've planted thanks to the giving um, and really sort of connecting consumers into how, you know, their purchases enabled them to plant all these trees, which makes a huge difference because literally it is like several millions of trees. So, you know, it's a big number and it's the result of, you know, really significant 1% uh, giving that they've done thanks to their consumers. So that's, that's one example. Um, we have, um, you know, the list goes on of, you know, nonprofits who have been able to either, you know, address uh, some plastics issues in a big way or sort of build out their programs on the ground. Um, and, you know, and really in this year, you know, it's been like heartening to see how, where, you know, where in many cases it's felt like things, so many things have had to stall this year just because of what's going on. The giving that mm -hmm. um, our network has done has really helped important efforts to stay afoot. And in the case of, you know, the lead up to the election, you know, there's a lot of support going to some of our nonprofits who were, you know, doing a lot of work to, you know, get out the vote or, you know, make sure that there was, you know, access to information about voting. And that was really exciting to see that as well. Yeah, it's great to just see people get on board and, and, and really get excited about how, how they can help move the needle in terms of, of environmental 
you know, stewardship. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things I think is interesting, and I I know that that you know as a as a member, Relish hasn't done as 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 great a job now that I'm thinking of it as as we probably could. But it's that storytelling component, mm. just really leveraging the opportunity that that both both nonprofit and and non and uh, for profit members or partners and members have in in this idea that you've you've given yourself this opportunity to tell this story yeah. and to and to leverage the good that you're doing for the planet and for these nonprofit partners to to get that message out there and 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 be authentic and be very um you know, explicit about about the the good things that are coming out of the out of this out of this membership and and the partnerships that are created here, and um, you know, I know that you have some you know some some I, I was going to say regulations, but but you know, kind of rules around uh, being a partner and and being a member in that you know you want to help people tell that story and and you know and leverage the uh, the impact of that of that one percent for the planet, you know, brand that you can put on your business, and um, I'm, I'm not being very eloquent here no, in, in what I'm trying to say, but but essentially, I think that there's a, a huge opportunity for for business partners, so your members and the nonprofit um, partners that they are giving to, to kind of share the opportunity to tell that story of how this organization is helping both of those both of those entities grow and thrive. Yeah. Well, I think you're being very eloquent. I think that's like a really really great point. And um, you know, it's interesting because it it's actually harder sometimes than people think to figure out how to tell that story um or to just prioritize telling that story. You know, in some cases the the members or the donors feel like, well, I don't want to like brag and like make a big deal about it. Or, you know, on the nonprofit side, they're just busy doing the work. But what we've seen time and again, and what we hear time and again is how much the, the most important thing about the 1% for the planet brand is those stories of impact. Cause that's the, so what that's why it all matters is that thing, real things are happening on the ground that are affecting and improving real places and, you know, me, you know, being meaningful to real people and, you know, just driving really positive impact. And those, it's so powerful. And, you know, I was saying earlier that there is, you know, the opportunity to, to vote with your dollars and, you know, it's so much easier to, to make the choice to vote with your dollars if you're like, oh yeah, like, this does drive change. And like, I have an emotional sense of the kind of change that it can drive because I saw these great stories um, about sort of this giving that happened. Um, so, you know, our staff, um, you know, is, is working. We, we try to just really figure out how can we best support members to make it and nonprofits to make it as easy as possible to tell those stories, to create opportunities, to share those stories and things like that. So, you know, we, uh, we do want, you know, all of our nonprofits and members to feel like they can always, you know, come to us, um, as a resource for that storytelling. Yeah, that's a, that's really interesting. And as, as you're saying that, I'm thinking that there might be opportunities to put together 
kind of storytelling, you know, storytelling 101 for mm-hmm. for both both the members and the and the nonprofits and be able to help facilitate the creation of of that messaging um, yeah. for for one percent, you know, internally. Um, and, and either that can be a, you know, very scalable, uh, items such as, um, you know, just kind of some guidelines in terms of how to, how to tell, how to get that messaging out there and how to really tell that story, or even, you know, obviously this requires some bandwidth on, on your end, but, but maybe taking some examples and doing one-on-one kind of, of, of workshopping or, or, you know, those those storytelling opportunities to get those out there. And then you can use those internally as well, mm-hmm. um, you know, to help reinforce, you know, when you're going out and talking to prospective new members to really, really reinforce, you know, these become kind of case studies um, that, that you can use to, to increase that membership opportunity. Yeah, definitely. That that's great. And, um, and I, you know, back to some of like the event stuff that we were talking about, one of the features of our global summits, um, at least a couple of years, if not all of the years, is to have, a, you know, a, that sort of workshop element on like effective storytelling. So we have done a couple panels on that like storytelling piece, because you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, it's, there's a real opportunity for members and nonprofits to kind of develop that understanding and framework for that opportunity, because particularly as our network grows, like the 1% for the planet channels, you know, we don't, we don't actually can't tell every story that's happening across our network. Right. Literally. Cause we don't have that many hours in the day or like slots in our like social media, which isn't right. for lack of loving every single one of those stories, but you know, the network truly it has to like operate as a network in that like this the the stories need to radiate out across the network and so you know one of the things that we have done like in our be one percent better campaign is equip members with (coughs) excuse me with um you know members and nonprofits with sort of assets and tools and frameworks for telling those stories of impact and then like communicating them out using some sort of shared hashtags and things like that. So we can share that story, that big story together, um, you know, without having 1% for the planet, you know, be a bottleneck in any way. Right. And so that's a really powerful opportunity. And we've seen some great results with that through our, this be 1% better campaign that I mentioned as well as some other things that we've done. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I think that's amazing. And and definitely, I would encourage everyone to to take advantage of of those opportunities. Um, and I'm going to take that advice myself because I I know that I maybe haven't done as great of a of a job as I could with with that opportunity or with those opportunities. I'm wondering if if some of the stuff that you were just describing that um, I'm trying to re- go back and remember when those showed up during the global summits, but. I know that you record the main stage stuff mm-hmm. and it, you know, some of the breakout room activities that I can recall, I don't remember those necessarily being recorded, but, you know, just going back to that vault of, of recorded materials and seeing if there are ways to repurpose some of that for, you know, as part of like a membership toolkit or, um, 
things of that nature, just make those available so that people can learn from these events. Maybe they weren't a 1% for the planet partner at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, the, that might be some, some ways to kind of repurpose some of those, those items that you have already. Yeah, definitely. And then also, you know, I think just, you know, kind of using our virtual stage moving forward for continued, um, you know, shared learning about effective storytelling is certainly an opportunity as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, you have such a, a huge, diverse talent pool to draw from, from all of the, all of the members and, and partners. It's, uh, it's cool to see that, that kind of brain power come together. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, we, it's, you know, having this incredible network, um, is, you know, powerful and overwhelming in the best sense of the word, because there is so much, uh, knowledge embedded across the network. So figuring out, you know, the ways to best like access and share that across the network is, is an opportunity and, you know, sometimes the best kind of challenge. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So moving into, so this will come out in, uh, in, in March ish. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that people should be looking out for in that kind of Q2 of 2021 from, from 1%. Yeah. So a couple things, few things. One is, you know, we will, um, have some virtual events on the board. So those would be, you know, there to look for, um, and participate in, um, don't have that schedule right now, but it's coming together. Um, we will, um, you know, potentially be starting to plan some events, in-person events to be determined. We will most likely have some sort of a campaign as we have in the past. I mentioned that be 1% better. It probably will be like blended across the year, but, you know, that creates some storytelling opportunities. Um, We are going to be launching a 1% for the planet donor advised fund, which is like our big new launch for next year. Um, you know, starting next year, certainly to carry forward. And, you know, the goal for that is just to continue to increase our impact. And the way that would function is it would enable us to access donations from members, but also non-members. And then those donations would drive both further giving to nonprofits as well as uh, drive impact investing. Um, And so that would be a sort of new way in which um, 1% for the planet could could play a role in driving impact. So we're pretty excited about that because it's the first kind of new offering, which would sit side by side membership, you know, current membership wouldn't change at all. And, you know, existing members wouldn't have to participate in that, but, you know, they, they certainly could, but it would just create a new pathway for engagement for a whole new set of um, donors. So we're pretty excited about that. So that will be the big new offering that will launch probably sometime toward the end of Q2. That sounds that sounds really amazing. I'm excited to hear more about that. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely excited about that. Um, and then you know our staff is going to be growing, and you know as is sort of the beauty of the one percent for the planet network. So much of the power that happens is you know in the hands of individual members. You know, working with either you know their region. So you know, Stu, you mentioned the Front Range Steering Committee. You know who knows what you guys will cook up. Um, and so there, you know, I, I imagine there will be, 
you know, again, as the world kind of starts to open back up again, knock on wood, you know, there will be more opportunities for, you know, those regional steering committees and and places where there are members coming together, um, you know, for amazing ideas to to take shape and and, um, happen. Yeah, I know we have a really good crew here in the in the Denver Boulder area. Um, with some really smart people on it with, mm-hmm. with equally cool businesses. So um, it's, it's fun to be part of that, uh, that, that group. And I would encourage anyone who has the opportunity to be on, on a steering committee to, to reach out to their, to their 1% um, kind of guide who, who yeah. uh, helps, helps that region figure things out and, and try and come up with some good ideas to bring other other people together and on board. Yeah, definitely. And if you are like, Oh, I didn't know there was such a thing as steering committees. If you're a member listening to this, just, you know, it's a great thing for you to talk to your account manager about just to learn like what might be available to you in your area. Yeah, for sure. Account manager was the word I was looking for. That wasn't <laughs> coming to my, coming to my brain. Yeah, that's okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. How can people find out more about 1% for the planet? Yeah. So a couple different pathways. One is our website, which is a great place to go. So that's 1% for the planet.org. And it's all spelled out in letters. So, you know, 1% for the planet.org. And then we do have, you know, pretty active social channels. So I'll just point you to Instagram and you could probably navigate from there. But that's one, the number 1% FTP. Um, uh, and that's a good one. And that's a pretty active channel for us. Nice. And I'm all about action. And as, as I know, are you. And so if people who listen to this show today were to do one thing after listening to the show, any, any type of action, what, what would you want people to do? I would say, think about the fact, think about, and then act on the fact that everyone has a 1%. You know, and our members are bringing that to life in terms of 1% of sales. But if you break it down to every day, like think about your time, think about your money, think about what you might spend on a given day. Like what would it look like if you took 1% of that time or money or effort, however you want to measure it, and directed that toward something that would make a difference? it's a really powerful exercise and it, you know, you can stop at the level of the thought exercise, but what if you brought it to life? So, you know, if 1% of your time started going to, um, you know, you tallied it up and then you decided that you were going to volunteer that um, at some point, that would be pretty powerful. 1% of what you would spend in a given day, which I know has gotten sort of funky since many of us are working from home. So that like stop at the coffee shop is no longer as concrete, but, like 1% of your grocery bill for a week or something like that. What if you were to sort of tally that and set that aside and say, I'm going to give that to a food focused nonprofit that's doing great work in sustainable ag. Like that's right there for you. And probably you'd begin to see like, Oh, actually like here, I thought I couldn't do a lot, but I can actually do something that ties to my everyday. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, I agree, and I I am notorious for for providing really bad math on on the show, but I think my calculations were that it's basically fifteen minutes that you're awake. So if we, if you're awake for sixteen hours in a day, it's roughly fifteen minutes that uh, that represents one percent of of that time, and um, and so I think that's right. I'm doing the math right now. It's six um, minutes. It's like four, four to six minutes an hour, right? Right, right. Um, 
Oh, so maybe my math's off a little bit. But anyway, it's well, not that much. It's not that much time. <laughs> it's about 10 minutes. Although my math was like I was multitasking in terms of talking to you. But it's it's very little time. And so if you think about like, all right, so, you know, how, what would that mean if I just like wrote that down, like in the corner of my to-do list um, and then, or just, you know, did the math. Okay. If it's 10 minutes a day, if I multiply that by 365, you know, that's time that I could volunteer. And what would that look like? And what we have found when we've kind of talked about this and, you know, asked members, individual members, um, companies, you know, who are involved, it's really powerful in in a couple of different ways. One is that it it puts action within reach because it's very easy to feel overwhelmed by climate change, you know, and kind of, yeah. well, what can I do? Um, but breaking it down, it's like, well, I can actually do my 1%. I can do my part. So it, it sort of breaks it down and makes it actionable. But it also then, um, sometimes pe- you can also feel like, well, I'm not doing enough. It can also help you to feel like, you know what, I'm doing 1%. And if Stu is also doing 1% and Kate is also doing 1% and it all adds up, then you realize, oh, I'm part of driving that $30 million in change that Kate was mentioning. And so, you know, the power of like owning and feeling really good about your 1%, but also knowing that it, it adds up with other people's 1%. So you're part of a collective act, whether or not you're a member, of course, we want you to be a member because that's a great way to go. But whether or not you're a member, if you sort of have the knowledge that you're part of this larger movement of people who are committing their 1%, you know, that's a big deal. And you realize like a little multiplied by a lot equals a lot. And that's, that's what you get to be part of. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show, Kate. It was so, it's lovely to talk to you all the time. I miss seeing you in person. Likewise. Um, And I I really appreciate you being on today. And let's go get everybody to give 1%. That sounds like a great idea. Thank you so much, Stu. It's been great to talk to you. Thanks, Kate. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. All right, there you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks for listening. If you would like to learn more about how to apply the audience engagement cycle to expand your organization's mission, there are two things you can do. Right now, you can go to missionuncomfortablebook.com to download a copy of my book. And while you're there, you can get your purpose-driven marketing score to see where you can unearth some gold for your organization. If you'd like to listen to back episodes of the show or sign up to be a guest, go to relishstudio.com slash podcast. That's it for this week. I'll be back next week for another great episode of Relish This.